I'm so honored and grateful to be here. And uh, as God does, I have a message prepared. So Beth shared sort of where we're at. I'm going to share the word with you, um, and then we're going to move on in the Holy Spirit. But as God does, he uh, asked me to share two unexpected things with you. Um, And I'm not in charge, so here we go. Number one, these glasses. This is a secret about me. But they're uh, actually fake. They are not real. And they make me feel smart. So I have them on today. And the second thing I'm uh, far more uncomfortable with, but I think it's fitting um, when Neil was sharing just about the recent Supreme Court decision and um, where the country is sort of at with that. Um, Six years ago, I walked into this church my first time in any real church. And I was in the back row probably, as Beth said, for at least six months um, with my jacket always zipped up really high and a hood pulled over my face. And I was in my late 20s, so very much an adult, but emotionally just very much like a broken little girl. I was sad and angry and didn't believe there could be any real God. And maybe there was a God, but he sure couldn't be as specific as Jesus because you are so intolerant, this church. What is wrong with them? They're obsessed with Jesus. And two things happened right away. The first thing when I came in is, it took me time to admit this, but the moment that I walked in and heard people worshiping to God, I knew that the answer I'd been looking for my whole life was in this room. And the second thing that I couldn't deny was there was something about the way these people loved that they were, they were so honest with who they were and their brokenness and their personality and just being human, but there was something about the way they loved and paid attention to me that I had never seen before. So I want to just start oh, by not crying. I want to start by saying thank you. Oh, Jesus. I want to say thank you to, to, to this church, my home. Um, as I'm going to share some about home today in the natural. Uh, You've been my childhood home. You've raised me. And you've taught me what it means to be loved by the real God. And I'm so grateful for you. And then just to be really human right now, uh, there's this little ball that Neil used with the kids. Uh, it came with me. What happened was this is in my office. I'm a social worker, so it's for uh, teenagers when they feel really stressed out. They can play with this ball. But what happened very quickly is it would end up in Miss Dulesky's hands when she was very stressed out. And uh, so much so that this ball is actually supposed to be, um, well, blown up and at Last night, I officially popped it because I had been just, you know, letting it be my little anxiety friend um, for the past three weeks preparing for the sermon. I'm nervous. There's this thing about us humans. We are prideful and insecure, and they don't go well together. So we want to impress people all the time. So these are the two things I want to say before I start. Number one, you don't need me to do that. You don't need me to perform for you. Do you agree with that? Does anybody need me to try to be a performer right now? No. No. We need the Word of God. And number two, I'm exhausted oftentimes because of my tendency to want to perform and be really good at things and impress people, and uh, I don't need that right now, okay? So let's, let's 
Let's get into God's word. Thank you, Lord. I'm just going to pray real quick. God, I ask for your presence right now. You don't need performance. You just need a people that are faithful and want to hear from you. God, you're so real. So any doubt right now that whatever goes on in worship and whatever goes on when we hear a moving story is just emotion, I ask that you break that off in Jesus' name. You're a real God. You meet us in our minds, in our hearts, in our bodies, in all ways. You are not an emotion. You are so much more. And Lord, we need a rescue today. Lord, every moment of our lives, we need a rescue from you. We need to long for the living God, and we need that today. And I ask that that happen in Jesus' name, amen. Um, I didn't add that. What I'm going to do, which I don't, it does, this doesn't make me feel very impressive, but I'm going to hold this while I preach because uh, it makes me comfortable, and that's where we're at. Try not to focus on it. Uh, my first childhood home was in a little brown house in Waltham, Mass. I lived there until I was five years old. I lived there with my mom and her six brothers and sisters and my grandma. And you see, my mom, she had me when she was in high school. So being 16 years old, you're not really planning to have a child. And as you can imagine, that came with all sorts of difficulties and all sorts of challenges. And my very first memory in this little brown home was this uh, bedroom, um, attic bedroom on the top floor. Of course, an attic's on the top floor. And I shared it with my mom and my aunt. And there was this little circle window at the very top near the roof. And you know those windows that are in the attics, right? They're small. And I was small. Um, I was probably about three or four years old when I can remember the first time just pulling up this little stool to stand on it and look out the window waiting for my mom to come home. And as time went on and I tried to make sense of this world, which we all do when we're born into it, I realized that home was this desperate longing. That home for me was waiting for my mom to come home. That home for me was lonely and empty and scary. And home for me was not a place of peace and safety. What about you? Maybe you can relate to that experience. Um, Oftentimes we have a mix of experiences when we think back to our childhood home. So what about you? What is your first memory in your childhood home? Maybe you've had experiences of loneliness or longing for a relationship with a mom or a dad that wasn't quite there. Maybe you had some great experiences with a mom or a dad who was special, who raised you in the love of the Lord, who loved you. Maybe a mentor or a neighbor served that role for you. Whatever it is, there's this thing about home where we're looking and longing for safety. We're looking and longing for someone to guide us. We're looking and longing for an answer to all this confusion. What about home for you now? When you leave here and you go out into the parking lot, what is home for you? When you drive there, where are you? Who lives there? Are you married or single in college? What does home look like for you? 
Because regardless of our situation or whether we own a home or we rent or whether we have roommates or we're married, there's this thing about home that's just so deep and so real. Some things are maybe you are really particular about the way you put the ketchup and mustard bottles in the fridge. Maybe you want them to be upside down and that annoying person you live with keeps flipping it around, right? Maybe there's this special blanket that you use that everyone in the house knows is only for you and they can't touch it. Maybe you um, are constantly adjusting your little throw pillows on the couch. Maybe they're overpriced throw pillows from Home Goods. That, that could just be me. Whatever it is, there's this deep pride we take in our home. There's this longing. When we're young, we look forward to a home we're going to have someday. As we grow, we look forward to our kids growing and having a home and being part of that. There's this thing about family that we need and this thing about home that fits it so well. So whatever it is, we have these unique experiences. Nobody in here has the same thing that they remember about home. Nobody in here has the same situation or the same little quirks about home. Each one in here, there's something unique about you in your home. But there's one thing we all have in common when we think about home. As your most peaceful moment at home may have been, think back to your most recent, maybe long work week and you can't wait to get home and watch Netflix. Okay, or maybe you just can't wait to get home, depending on your personality, if you're an introvert, and just be by yourself. Whatever it is, your last memory of home and peace, at some point it was over. It could be as simple as Monday morning always comes. It always comes. It's so faithful, Monday morning. You know, and um, things always change. You know, living situations change. I I have a living situation changing right now, and it's very hard. And my two amazing roommates are right here in the front row. And um, it's hard to look at them, but I love you because this is a bittersweet moment. Mm -hmm. So there's this thing about uh, our home that we all share in common, right? We know it's not forever. There's something about this home and wherever we go when we leave here that we know is not forever. It will change. Your kids will grow up. Your living situation will change. You might even live in a different house someday. There's this non-forever thing, and it just grips us if we pay attention to it. Maybe you're like, I'm a Christian. I'm in the church. I believe in this home in heaven. Okay, so do I. But see, of course, there's a part of your heart that doubts that. Because here we are in this broken world, constantly faced with fears and insecurities and all these awful things. Bad things happen to good people all the time. And it shakes this idea that home can be forever. So we sometimes desperately cling to our relationships, our marriage, our living situations, our family. Whatever it is in home, Uh, And it's not always bad. There's joy in making and building our home. We sometimes desperately cling to all these things of home to just get away from this looming reality that home is not forever. So what is this longing? What is this thing that grips us? This thing we can all agree a home is so much more than four walls and wood and drywall and paint what is this sometimes like uh i 
a person I work with uses this term all the time for something that you know she doesn't like or is annoyed by it, called a wet, heavy wet blanket. Um, so what is this thing, this like wet blanket thing around our home that we can't shake? What is this longing in each of our hearts? Behind this longing for a forever home, we're longing for a love that lasts. Behind this longing for home to just stay the way it is, for the weekend to keep going on, for us to never have to leave and go into weather like this, or just this really hard world that, you know, oftentimes yells at the church a lot. What is this longing? We're longing for a love that lasts. Who wants good things to end? Can home just stay forever? And so I remember looking out that window, and I couldn't put words to it at the time, but I just wanted a love that would last. I had this sense in my heart, I need a love that will last. I need someone to show me a love that will last because I don't understand why I'm here. And I know that that's true for each of you in some way. Who wants a love that will end? Who wants a home and a story that's going to be over. God, you're so good. I'm having a little issue with my notes here. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. We want things to last. We don't want them to end. We want good things to continue. We don't want the bad to come. We want love to stay. And most human beings, that's, they're, they're aware of that. Whether they are or not, it's because it's written on their heart. Because you're created, you and I, in the image of a God who writes love on your heart. We're longing for these things because they were put in there because we were supposed to have them. Right? This perfect home at the very beginning that's described in Genesis where the first two human beings are in this garden. And everything's okay and safe and peaceful. And they choose non-God. They choose non-God because doubt and fear creeps in and we have an enemy of our souls. They choose non-God and they're cast out of home. And then throughout the entire Bible, we see this theme of exile and homecoming. We see this theme of longing for a place called home, but getting kicked out and having to leave. And, oh God, can you please bring me back? Can you please bring me back? We're longing for a love that lasts. Now you say, okay, the Bible. I don't know. Maybe you're not a Bible person. I I consider myself more of a Bible person today, but there's still so many doubts. Sometimes I open the Bible and um, I picture a lot of dusty roads in a place far away uh, with really old people and wearing like uh, weird robes and um, talking funny and a bunch of sheep or something around. And it it doesn't feel like it relates to my life when I walk out into this parking lot, right? So what a real God can take somebody who doesn't believe in him, who thinks the Bible is pretty much equivalent to Mother Goose and Humpty Dumpty. What type of real God can take that life, take that life of desperation and turn it into love? Only a living God can do that. So you have issues with the Bible, have them welcome, my friends. I did for most of my life. I sat in the back of that church. I would feel the love. I, li- I used to call it the music time is so good. 
And then we'd, you know, someone would talk about announcements. And then this time would come where Neil or whoever was preaching would come up and share the word. And they opened the Bible, and I'd be like, here go those people. They're so obsessed with the Bible. Every answer to life they think comes from the Bible. Uh, have they considered any other sources? I would think, you know, some primary source material. Have they looked at any other books? Maybe The Road Less Traveled. It talks about some good things about life, right? There's this thing. But over time, and I journeyed through all these, uh, just this sort of new age, typical New Englander, right? I, I was uh, hurt and afraid, and I wanted to um, read a lot of self-help books uh, from Barnes & Noble. And, you know, Buddha is cool, and let's do yoga in Cambridge. That's kind of how I lived, right? And can you picture it, right? And, um, you know, Christians, you're so intolerant, and so here we are. But see, what I realized early on, if you read the Bible, it's hard to understand. It takes time. You have to study themes that are challenging. Um, but the answers for hope and truth in life were nothing I had ever found anywhere before. See, this book with God's Word, these answers for all the reasons that we hurt and all the hope that we need, they were just in there. It was like it's written on our hearts. It's hard in the church, you know, um, it's really human to just show up on Sunday and we're, there's the sort of inertia of life. Um, it's, to just, it's another service. She'll probably talk for another 17 minutes and then we'll go home. Um, it's hard for me. It's hard for me a little different today because I'm the one talking at you. But, uh, I'm, you know, you sit there and, and, you know, as a Christian now for six years, God, I've experienced your rescue. God, I've experienced your love. Um, I believe the Bible. Sometimes I don't understand things. But are you very real for me today, right now, or is this just someone else talking at me again? So that whole little mini-sermon on the Bible, right, it's important because, you know, every time I sit in that chair, I have to tell myself the Bible is the Word of God and it's true for my life. And they had dusty roads and weird robes and, you know, I don't know, we have a parking lot and a Subaru, but it's written on our hearts that we're longing for a love that lasts. We're longing for a love that lasts. In the past few weeks, Neil and Brian have been talking about a story in the Bible, the book of Ruth. And the book of Ruth is really about a woman, a Naomi. She's the main character uh, in the story. And it takes place in the Old Testament. Um, so before, you know, when I first picked up the Bible, I knew that was like the really big part at the beginning, before Jesus came. And it talked a lot about Israel, um, which I didn't understand, okay? But the whole idea is that God chose a people so he could show how real and particular he was to the world. So through Israel's history, we read about this in the Old Testament, there's this one story that we've been talking about of a woman named Naomi. It's about 3,000 years ago, so this really happened, right? A woman named Naomi really walked on all that dirt with probably some weird rope. She was really alive, okay? And she lived in Bethlehem. Um, this is all like where Iraq and Turkey and that Middle East area is right now. So Naomi lived in what was then Bethlehem. That was her childhood home. She knew the real God, so she grew up. We would say today, like, she grew up Christian. Um, and she wanted, you know, family like all of us, hopes and dreams. So she got those things. She married a guy named Elimelech. Just going to give this brief history. She married this guy, Elimelech, and they lived in Bethlehem for a while. And then uh, some tough economic times came. A famine came to Bethlehem. And they decided that they'll move 40 miles north to a place called Moab. So they move there. So she leaves this childhood home where, with a hope 
for a new home with her husband. A hope for a love that lasts, like all of us. A hope for good things and purpose and children. And those things seemed to be happening. She had, uh, they had two sons, Malon and Kilion. And it seemed like life was okay, you know. You start to see Malon and Kilion grew up, and they sort of got immersed in the culture of the time. Probably like two, pe- two of your colleagues at work, you know. Just kind of friendly, but not going to do the Jesus thing. So they are immersed in the culture of the time. They marry two Moabite women, Ruth and Orpah, hence the name of this book. So picture here, we got Naomi, and she has these two sons, and they're married, and life is good. And nine years pass, and everything falls apart. Can't we experience that in our own lives every day? You know, things fall apart. Hey, there's big things, horrible tragedies like death and loss of a husband or a wife or a child. There's these other loss experiences in this death that happens every day. This world is so hard, right? Are, are you exhausted sometimes during the week? This world is so hard, we walk out the door, we have a 25-numbered to-do list. We have all these things we have to do. We're in a world where a lot of people, in a culture where a lot of people don't know much about God. They think you're the weird, annoying Christian. You're trying to love them, but you also have a ton of things to do at work. This is our daily life. So then you couple that with all the baggage we bring from all the loss and the pain we have. And here we are trying to make it. Well, that's just like them. That's just like Naomi. She loses everything and life doesn't stop. We're going to pick up the text here. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Ruth chapter 1. I'll give you a second to do that. If you don't have a Bible, who cares? Someone around you probably has one. You can just listen to me. Oh, great. We're going to jump to... Uh, We're going to jump to verse 6. So I'm going to read 10 verses, 6 through 15. So all this happens, Naomi is at the brink of tragedy. When she heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, Naomi and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show kindness to you as you have shown to me, as you have shown to, excuse me, your dead into me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them and they wept aloud and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I'm too old to have another husband, even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight, and then gave birth to sons. Would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters, it is more bitter for me than for you 
because the Lord's hand has gone out against me. At this, they wept again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods go back with her. Naomi's life fell apart. She's hurting and empty and broken. And so here they are on this road back to Bethlehem where she originally left home to make a new home, to maybe go back home because she needs to pick up the pieces and her life isn't going to stop for her pain. So picture this scene, right, of Naomi and Ruth and Orpah on this road back and Naomi just can't do it anymore. She's just exhausted and, you know, she probably feels like she has nothing left to give. So these last two people in her life, she's just going to push them away because she's so hurting and so broken and so bitter. Why would anyone stay with me? Why would anyone want to be around me? I'm a mess, and I'm sad, and my life is over. I knew the real God, but now he's gone. God loved me, but now maybe he doesn't. God was with me, but maybe he left me because my life is over. So daughters, just go. Why would you want to be around me? You'll get nothing from me. And there's crying, right? So picture this last time in your life where you were feeling these ways. We're isolating ourselves from everybody deep down in our hearts because we feel like there's no hope for us. So she's on this road and Orpah leaves. And here we are with Ruth, who stays. Naomi is all alone. And here's Ruth, who stays. I know if you've been in the church for a long time, you know the story. I know you do. I didn't know it that well. I had studied a lot. I was going to get the names of the sons wrong many times, okay? I know you know the story, so just try to fight past that right now. Because, see, this really happened, and it really happens today. So the whole deal all the time at churches, we need to remember that this really happened, and it happens today. So we're sad and hopeless. We don't feel like we're good enough. We doubt God's love. Is he real? God, why can't I just see you? I can see that chair, and I can feel this, but I can't see you, and I just wish I could look at you so I can know. Naomi feels that because when you lose everything, pain shakes your understanding of who God is. Pain takes us over, and it strips everything, and no more can we believe in a God who is real and loving. We sink those things. There's no way we can believe in a good God because pain shakes us. And so here we go. We're going to read two more verses, 16 and 17. So what happens? Ruth replied, Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and when you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. Ruth meets Naomi in her pit. Right where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Where you die, I will die. Who doesn't need someone to tell them where you go, I'll be there. Where you stay, I promise I'll stay with you. And wherever I go, I will be there. Who doesn't need that? See, we're longing for a love that lasts and everything in this world tells us that you're going to die and everyone you know is going to die and your home's going to die. But the truth is there's the love that lasts, my friends. 
you know, I didn't believe it. And I came in this room and I knew right away there's a love that lasts. There's a forever love. You don't need to understand the Bible or understand the church to know that there's a love that lasts. I promise you. So if you've been in the church for a long time and you don't believe that today, God's telling you he lasts for you. And if you're new or you've never heard this word about God's love, I urge you to just ask him right now. Ask him if his love lasts for you. Ask him if his love lasts for you. We need forever. No one wants good things to end. You know, we do all sorts of things all day, but really what we're trying to do is let the good thing keep going. Can the good just go forever? Can the good just go forever? Because bad things hurt, and I'm scared. I'm scared because I know I'm going to die. And I know the people around me that I love, they're going to die. I know that sounds weird or morbid, guys, but, okay, if you look around you, in this human form, people that you love in your own body, we're going to waste away because death entered this world. And that's really hard to deal with. And Naomi experienced it literally like many of us in our lives. People we love die. Things we hope for, they feel like they've died. But God is so real for us when he says, where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. And um, where you die, I'll die. When I was looking out that attic window, I thought, you know, I needed my mom to come home and um, someone to take care of me and put me to bed. Uh, and I did need those things. We need those things as kids. Um, they're right and good, and we deserve to be taken care of. But see, what I needed was a love that lasted. So when I felt like there was no hope for me and had lived this whole life of pain that, of course, as you know, causes you to make all these bad choices, causes you to find your love in everything else, in relationships, and for me, in relationships, in drugs, in alcohol, in whatever it is, particularly in, in education or degrees or some type of success, right? We go to those things when we don't believe there's this love that lasts. And in our face all day, even when we leave here, Lord, let it not be, but wait, maybe within 10 minutes, you know, we, I, I will probably do this unless someone takes my phone. I'll scroll through Instagram. I'll scroll through Facebook. I don't know. Oh, look at her. She looks nice. Where'd she go? Maybe we, we just end up in this world, right? But every second we need to just know, oh my gosh, I am chosen. I'm loved. There's a plan for me. And in the 7.1 billion people in this world, there's a God who's right here. There's a God who's right here to stay and he's never going to leave you. And there's nothing else that your heart wants except to hear that and believe it as much as you can. See, God sets us free. He sets us free in very real ways. In very real ways. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to pray for a second because um, I feel anxious. I don't know where to go from here, so. Hey, we're one big family, aren't we? We don't need performers in the church. We really don't. Lord, help us. Lord, we don't need performers in the church. We need people set free by God. We need people to love and uh, cherish who we are and our gifts. So God, I ask for your guidance and your wisdom right now, Holy Spirit. We uh, try to be so strong, but Holy Spirit, you're the comforter and you're the guidance that we need. Thank you, Lord.
Sure. Yeah, can I invite? Yeah, they always make me feel better. Can I invite the worship team back up? Yeah, that's fine. Who loves Caitlin Scott I was, I got it. Thank you, Lord. I'm so grateful um, to be surrounded right now by the, the Smalden family and my Beverly family. I'm honored to be here. And so as we enter in to worship in response to God's word. My invitation to you is to consider where we're longing most for home. To think of the last time you were longing for home. You were longing for something that didn't end. You were longing for this relationship that has so many struggles to just be good. You're longing for good to be all the time and bad to go away. So I ask where you're longing, God, that you speak right now. Speak right now to people's hearts. You're a real God, Lord. You rescue. You rescued me. You rescue this little girl in the back row. Lord, you rescued, you rescued. Lord, you rescued me from longing for a mother. You rescued me from brokenness and abuse. You rescued me from years of relational chaos. Lord, you rescued me from 10 years of same-sex relationships. Lord, you rescued me from sexual addiction. You rescued me from homosexuality. You rescued me from drug addiction. You rescued me from alcohol addiction. You rescued me from insecurity and self-hatred. You rescued me from hopelessness. Well, aren't you a real God? Well, aren't you a real God? You see, it's not Buddha or self-help or Dalai Lama or all these new age things, or in particular, it's not about our own wisdom. Aren't you a real God? And don't we need to know that today, Lord? Don't we need to know it? So, Lord, right now I ask that you speak to every heart. Break away all the religious junk that we bring in here. Break it all away and speak right now where you want to rescue each one of us who's longing for the forever love, who's longing for a love that lasts. Holy Spirit, come. space Adam and molecule in this room right now. Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit. We don't need to be good at singing to sing Holy Spirit, come. Living God, blow through this place. Meet us in our little places of intellect that want to be so smart and read all these things about you in books. Read us in our emotions. Lord, that need to just feel better because we feel tired and crappy all the time. All the time sometimes. Thank you, Lord. Lord,
Lord, meet us in those places, mind, body, and soul. You're the God of all those things. Meet us, meet us, meet us, Lord. Holy Spirit, we need a comforter. You know, we really don't need anything else. We need the God that we stay, he stays. Where we go, he goes. Where we stay, he stays. Where we go, he goes. Where we stay, he stays. We need that lasting love, God. We need that lasting love. Lord, where pain has completely shaken us, stripped us of so many things where pain has tried to rob us Lord come in as the love that lasts right now enter in as the love that lasts say Abba Daddy come in as the love that lasts 